the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. Why does anybody need an AR-15? Well, I have a two-word answer for you. John Kerry. There are lots of two-word answers because our government is full of people like John Kerry who think they have all the answers, and John has the answers for saving the planet, and as of today, he also has something else. And now, it's time for The Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. Now, it's way too early to award the Jerk of the Century to anybody yet, but you might say that John Kerry is the leader in the clubhouse, maybe? He's one of many people in Washington, D.C., in both parties who've been around way too long. I think that's pretty obvious. He's been a senator, secretary of state, almost became president. He's got a much more important job now. He flies around the world on his private jet and tells everybody to quit polluting the planet. And now he has his uh, sights set on farms. Here's what he said at an agricultural uh, conference on Wednesday. Quote, A lot of people have no clue that agriculture contributes about 33% of all the emissions of the world. We can't get to net zero. We don't get this job done unless agriculture is front and center as part of the solution. So all of us understand here the depths of this mission, unquote. And you know how this works. Uh, Once creeps like John Kerry decide that they're keeping you safe in spite of yourself, they can do anything. You know, like make you wear a mask take a shot, stay home from church. And that's where the AR-15 comes in. Farmers everywhere should start shopping for them. Not for self-defense or for hunting deer, but to send the message to uh, John Kerry that they're not giving up their farms without a fight. Now, Holland has already started trying to take farmers' land away, and I think been successful. Uh, And people like Kerry would start doing it tomorrow if they thought they could get away with it. The farmers in Holland don't have the equivalent of our Second Amendment. People like John Kerry hate our Second Amendment, and people like John Kerry are why we have it. And people like John Kerry are always in contention to become the AM 1250 The Answer Jerk of the Week. And in our second half hour tonight, we're going to have H. Sterling Burnett of Heartland Institute here to tell you why John Kerry deserves to be an early favorite for Jerk of the Century. And then when we come back after this break, we're going to talk to Professor Jeff McCall about how the media beclowned themselves in their coverage or non-coverage of the Durham report. Stick around. Hi, I'm Olivia, and I'm 11. Some people my age might think water in a basement's pretty cool. Who wouldn't want an indoor swimming pool? But my dad taught me a thing or two about homes. You mean all those times I talked about waterproofing. You were actually listening? Absolutely. I'm like Alexa. Okay, so how does JD Waterproofing protect your home? By keeping water out of the basement so it doesn't compromise the structure of your home. And? By not giving yucky mold and mildew a place to grow. Pretty good. Dad, I wasn't finished. Oh, sorry. And J&T Waterproofing can save you money. Do tell. By saving you from having to replace your basement appliances from water damage. I couldn't have said it better myself. Got water problems? Don't cry. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY. J&T Waterproofing. 1-800-VERY-DRY. Relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. 
That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. My name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. You can protect your hard-earned retirement assets with a tax-free loophole that allows you to convert your retirement into physical gold and silver. Advantage Gold is the nation's highest-rated gold company. They have the best process, pricing, and service. If you want to get your free gold and silver investment kit, please contact Advantage Gold right now. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call SelectQuote at 1-800-940-6161. That's 1-800-940-6161. Or go to SelectQuote.com. That's 1-800-940-6161. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Wouldn't it be great to work in a place that makes a positive impact on the people, businesses, and churches around you? That place exists. I know because I work there. My name is Cassie, and I'm the digital marketing specialist with Salem Media Group in Pittsburgh. Right now, Salem Surround has an opening for one talented salesperson to join our team. Is that you? We'll bring the training. You just bring the talent. An understanding of digital marketing and some direct sales experience will definitely help you stand out. What are you waiting for? Take the first step to a career that is challenging, rewarding, and helps to create terrific results for our amazing customers. Join the sales team at Salem Media Group Pittsburgh. Email your resume to brad.marshall at salempittsburgh.com. That's brad.marshall at salempittsburgh.com. Salem Media Group is an equal opportunity employer. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, we could probably do the entire show on the media every day. There's plenty of evidence uh, of the uh, vote, the total bias and stupidity that's out there, but they've already outdone themselves the last few weeks. That's why it's good to have someone like um, Jeffrey McCall willing to come on to analyze them. He's a professor of communications at DePaul University, a media critic for The Hill, and a regular guest on this show, and I'm always glad to have you on. Jeff, thanks for doing it again. You're welcome. Great to be with you. So we had you on a week and a half ago, I think it was, and I asked you if you thought the legacy media had hit a new low when they ignored the story about Joe Biden's family, you know, including his grandkids getting $10 million from foreign companies uh, connected with foreign governments. Anyway, then along came the uh, Durham report. Did they outdo themselves again this week? We might have hit yet another low, and it's hard to think that we can keep going lower and lower. But the Durham report came out, and the media silence was just amazing. Uh, You know, you you looked at uh, the New York Times and the Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, and not only did they provide very little coverage of it, but coverage of it they had was almost dismissive and yawning when you get right down to it. And I think what's amazing here is that, you know, Durham did his independent investigation for a long time. And I know, and by the way, that's been funny to see some of the, uh, the, the media critics saying, oh, well, look how much money he spent covering this thing. I'm thinking, wait a second, how much money did the Mueller investigation cost or impeachment cost or any number of other things cost? But anyway, what coverage of it was basically that Durham came up with nothing. He, there were no conclusions. Uh, he had no indictments or whatever. And I'm thinking that he had no indictments is kind of missing the point of what his claim was. His claim was basically that the Clinton, administra- the, the Clinton campaign in 2016 
uh, came up with this phony dossier and then based on that got the FBI to help collaborate with them uh, to do a witch hunt on the Trump administration uh, and then came up with a narrative that was, as we know now, false of Russia, Russia, Russia collusion, which affected the course of Trump's presidency for sure in the first two years, probably cost the Republicans control of the Congress in uh, 2018, and may well have determined or changed the outcome in the 2020 election. So what Durham alleges uh, is history changing when you get right down to it. And the mainstream, or as I like to call them, establishment media, which translates in this day and age to left-leaning media, or activist media, however you want to call them, they couldn't bring themselves to cover this with a straight face or to give it the, the time and space it deserves, uh, and also that, that they couldn't even point fingers at the people who were the, 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 the malfeasance people here. I mean, think about this. The, the Clinton campaign, the FBI hierarchy, the Justice Department, and the Obama administration, not to mention the FISA judges, were all participants in what was a rather outlandish scam uh, to, and scheme to disrupt the, the Trump campaign and the Trump administration. And, you know, for the Washington Post, it's like, nothing to see here, folks. Let's move along. Yeah, and it, it's not like you even have to ask what the difference would be if it had been Trump who had been the on the wrong end of that investigation. And because we saw it already, as you said. We saw the media when it was uh, to, to their advantage to do the story because of it helped with their hatred of Trump and their uh, intense desire to ruin Trump's administration. We saw them do it already. I mean, the, the, the contrast is ridiculous. The contrast, as you say, is, is quite ridiculous. And the, the funniest thing here is with the Russia-Russia collusion story, the media ran very extensive coverage and very pointed coverage for months and months and months. And that turns out to have been false. The Durham investigation comes up with information that he can verify, and there's no coverage of that at all. So what was false was reported on extensively, and what is accurate is hardly reported on at all. And it's no wonder we live in kind of a post-reality world now, but part of that is because of the media. The media is creating a false sense of what's happening out there. And the sad thing here is, you know, you've heard this, I'm sure, a million times, but people have talked over the years about journalism as the first draft of history. And this first draft of history is going to be that there was nothing in this Durham report when actually there was. And looking back, we're going to be able to say the, the course of history was changed, but it was not reported upon. And the implications uh, were never uh, fully vetted. And Hillary Clinton skates on, you know, as a heroine for the left-leaning progressive side of the world. And nobody's holding her campaign or Hillary herself to account. Uh, and one of the things I thought astounding in the Durham report was that the White House itself, which I presume that would include Obama and Biden, were briefed on what was going on at the time and didn't bat an eye. Yeah, and the media couldn't care less, uh, most of them. Um, ignoring this story, uh, would have uh, totally ignoring it anyway, would have been impossible. But I just, uh, for fun, uh, the night that it, the day that it broke, Monday, I checked out Rachel Maddow that night at 8 o'clock. She had a smirk on her face for three or four minutes to open the show, and she ridiculed it uh, and, the right, and, and ridiculed the right-wing media for having reported on it and for for having expected more of it. Yeah, and think about this. It would have almost better been better if they just blacked out the story altogether. Right. Then to raise the notion that the story was out there, but that it was totally uh, worthless or illegitimate um, or nothing to see. I mean, that, that almost that, that misleads the public more than if the public just weren't aware of the Durham report at all. Yeah, and opinion shows are one thing, but... Um... I did see ABC World News tonight on Monday, the day that the story broke, and uh, they did not have it as their lead story. I'm not sure what CBS and NBC did, but these are the people who would lead every night with the story that the Durham report debunked. 
Right. And, you know, these were the people who during the uh, uh, the House investigation, you know, were putting Adam Schiff front and center on TV cameras every night when he was saying, oh, we have evidence in plain sight, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Russia or Trump was a Russian asset and all that kind of thing. And nobody ever bothered to say, how do you know that? And now that we know that he didn't know that, I haven't seen any of the mainstream media coverage like, hey, wait a second. Why were we buying this nonsense from a guy who was clearly politically motivated and that nobody's doing any stories now about, like, how did this guy get away with this narrative? And it wasn't just him. It was Pelosi and the whole gang. It, you know, how did, the, how did we buy this narrative for so long when we now know there was nothing in it? And how do we not go back to them and ask them to respond or react to the uh, to the report or defend their actions that they that everybody saw uh, three or four years ago yeah well and this was one of those things where the, the media ran so long and hard with the collusion story with the trump as a russian asset story that now that we know that that's all nonsense and i mean nobody ever wants to admit they're wrong but, I mean, the media should at least have enough decency and self-respect to, to step forward and say, hey, here's how we reported this before, but we now want to correct the record and set things straight. But, uh, of course, they're not going to do that because they're too little to do that. But and, and if they did that, they'd have to eat some crow along the way to say, well, we reported this inaccurately, but now we want to clear up what a federal prosecutor as a special investigator for several years has researched which they never did, of course, and here's what he found. And um, I know nobody wants to ever admit they're wrong, but this is a case where the media was so wrong for so long that you would think that they'd have the decency to step forward and try to correct the record just, just to save face. But, you know, when you get right down to it, we live in a polarized world, as you know, and so many news consumers don't necessarily want to hear accurate information. They just want to hear hear stuff that kind of fits their own little profile. And so CNN's not going to go on and report that because I know CNN viewers don't want to see it or hear it. Mm -hmm. MSNBC's not going to report it because they know they're going to be upsetting their audience. And, you know, CNN got a little taste of that. They put Trump on for a town hall, and their ratings haven't recovered uh, since because uh, they had good ratings the night Trump was on, but after that their ratings took a dive. And it's pretty clear that they upset a lot of their core left-leaning viewers who are upset with CNN now. So, But I guess I still say at a certain point, all media organizations have to have at least enough respect for getting accurate information out there that they owe it to us and to our democracy to kind of try to be the surrogates for us and the defenders of truth. And that's why I mentioned before, you know, we're kind of in a post-reality world, and and I don't know you know, what that means for the nation as a whole, but it can't be good. And I was just going to get to that. Uh, you mentioned the Donald Trump town hall on CNN. That sent uh, liberals everywhere into hysterics, including um, at CNN, where Anderson Cooper looked like he was going to break, uh, just going to start crying uh, during his apology for having put his viewers through the terrible Donald Trump um, uh, town hall. Well, and even mentioned something that he would understand if CNN viewers never watch the channel anymore. And I'm thinking, well, I'm sure their marketing department's glad for that. Yep. Uh, and, you know, I wrote a column for The Hill about that uh, after the Trump thing happened. And my point was, whatever anybody thinks of Trump, he's a candidate for president. He's a former president. What he thinks, what he says is news. Right. And people should verify and people should scrutinize. But... What he says is news, and he's a, a, the, leading the primaries. And uh, if you look at the polling, I mean, we haven't had primaries yet, but you're, you look at the polling yeah. in advance of the primaries. He's the, the candidate to beat for the moment mm-hmm. uh, in some of the head-to-head polling of a prospective Biden-Trump matchup. It's very close again, and some even have Trump ahead. So, I mean, if he's out there saying stuff that's just crazy. It's still news. Yep. And to say that we're not going to let a leading presidential candidate and a former president have a say uh, is ridiculous because I think, uh, you know, our society is served better by letting people speak and then arguing against that 
rather than to just stifle them or not to give them a platform at all. And I must say, I'm not not a huge fan of CNN, as I've mentioned before Mm -hmm. several times. But I commend them for at least putting him on there. And maybe they did it for crass ratings reasons or to try to get him in a gotcha moment or something like that. For, for whatever, they put him on there and they let him have a say. And it's not like Caitlin Collins didn't spend a half of the time trying to challenge oh, him and correct him gotcha and everything question, else like yeah. that. So it's not like he had free reign or this was an hour and a half political commercial. He was challenged all along the way. And after it that was done, the CNN panel totally hammered the guy. So it's not like he had just had a freewheeling say for a political message that was totally uh, challenged during and after. And I'm thinking, that's what makes debate. That's what makes, makes dialogue, and that's what the nation was designed to create. I mean, if you look at the writings of our constitutional framers, they were totally in favor of, let's have at it. Let's get all the mm-hmm. information out there. Let everybody have their say. And at some point, we think the collective wisdom will kick in. And if the media is, you know, trying to, you know, play favorites or trying to shut people up, they're not letting everybody have their say. And that ultimately, I think, is bad for the free speech principle on which the nation was founded. We're finishing up here with Jeffrey McCall. He's a professor of communications at DePaul University, and you can find his stuff at The Hill. He's a critic, for, a TV critic for The Hill. Uh, I got a couple minutes left here, Jeff. Um, Fox is still taking a hit in the ratings, but Newsmax has beaten CNN a couple of times this week. Newsmax. Now, and I keep asking what it's going to take for management there at CNN to blow up their primetime lineup. Could this finally be the thing that could do it? <laughs> well, it, it, it has been interesting to see Newsmax, you know, which has always been kind of the poor cousin down the block, uh, show up a little bit. Now, I mean, it's not like their ratings are out of sight. But that they're better than CNN says something, uh, and their their ratings have grown. I mean, it used to be they'd go along with maybe between two and three hundred thousand on an evening, but they're bumping up four fifty thousand or maybe half a million now at times, uh, which tells you something about how far CNN has dropped. But I do think that uh, Newsmax is is to be considered now. Uh, they're they've they've shown that they can be a player. I, I'm sure a lot of the people disgruntled with Fox have gone over there to give them a sample, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's fine. I mean, I, I think Newsmax is uh, clearly an opinion-based channel, uh, but there's not, but, but there's something to be said for that, and, and they're unabashedly so. So it's not like they're trying to be sneaky about it, right? And I, uh, I, I have, I, I, you know, I commend them. I think some of their hosts actually do a pretty good job. I think Greg Kelly does a pretty intelligent program, and I mean, it's clear where he stands, uh, but. He's, he's not nuts, uh, and he's not, you know, totally beholding to every uh, right-wing narrative, uh, unlike some of the people on MSNBC who you can predict all the time what they're going to say. I have like 30 seconds left. There, they, there's talk that Fox might move Hannity into the 8 o'clock spot and Jesse Waters in prime time. What do you think? I'm not sure Hannity's got the stuff to go there, I and part either. of the reason I say that uh, number one, he's been around for a long time, and he really attracts a pretty old audience. And, you know, his stick is uh, a little tired by now. Um, and uh, clearly his show currently doesn't stand on its own, because without Tucker Carlson's lead-in, he's lost a lot of his audience. So I'm, I'm not sure that Fox is really going to do that. It would be a roll of the dice, and I'm not sure they would like it. Well, uh, Jeff, uh, I'm sure there'll be another uh, episode from the media that will require me to have you come on and uh, break it down for us. I appreciate you doing it, as always. I look forward to the next chat. All right. That's Jeff McCall. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. China, not at all happy with Western arms sales to Ukraine. Deputy Permanent UN Representative Gen Shong has again criticized the sales, saying it would only lead to escalation, more civilian casualties and displacement, and make it harder to obtain a ceasefire and start peace negotiations. China says it does not and will not provide arms to either side in the Ukraine conflict, a point Geng reiterated at a Security Council meeting on Thursday. China says it's a neutral party and wants to help broker an end to the 15-month-old conflict, but has refused to criticize the invasion and blames the West for provoking Moscow. I'm Charles Tillotesma.
President Biden has decided to support the training of Ukrainian pilots on F-16s. Ukrainians have been requesting the fighters to boost the country's battle against Russia. This is SRN News. People ask me sometimes, Lance, I'm worried about my finances and I feel bad because I shouldn't be worried, right? I realize that inflation is going to be eating up money. I've got to do something to get around this crazy stock market and Biden's spending spree. Gold has, since the beginning of time, been the resource that God's people have relied on. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, is what the prophet Haggai said during a time of great shaking. To protect your retirement, I recommend that you diversify your 401k or IRA right out of paper assets and into physical gold. And the best way to do that is with Gold IRA from the Birch Gold Group. I want you to text the words FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 989898 and get a free info kit on gold IRAs. There's no strings attached to this, so just text FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 989898 and see what I've discovered here about gold and its ability to stabilize your investment and create a storage of wealth for you in unsteady times. Brandon Tatum believes it is up to us. Donald Trump can be in office all he wants. Now, I prefer him to be in office over Joe Biden any day of the week. You can blab all you want about this policy or this policy or this politician or that politician, but the people have to be changed. The people are going to have to have good character and, and go out in the world and do well. One man can't change the world. The Officer Tatum Show, weeknights at 7 on AM 1250. The answer. Are you considering a unique way to enhance your investment knowledge this year? Then sign up today for the all-inclusive Eagle Financial Publications Cruise. Along with our trusted partner, The Money Show, we're setting sail this December to explore some of the most beautiful and unspoiled destinations in the Caribbean. But this is no ordinary vacation. It's a chance to learn from top Eagle financial experts like best-selling authors George Gilder, Mark Skousen, and others who will be hosting a series of workshops and seminars throughout the trip. Imagine lounging on the sun deck while discussing investment strategies with like-minded individuals or enjoying a gourmet dinner at the same table with one of our leading financial authorities. This once-in-a-lifetime cruise is a perfect way to combine education and relaxation to achieve your investment goals. This cruise will sell out quickly, so visit EagleFinancialCruise.com today to learn more and to secure your cabin. That's EagleFinancialCruise.com. Eagle Financial is a division of Salem Media Group. Health and Wellness with Dr. Edmund Sokolsky, live Saturday mornings from 9 a.m. until 10. We do not diagnose nor treat, but educate and inform, hoping to empower you to be in charge of your own health and wellness. Become informed. Become empowered. Join us on our live call-in show at 9 every Saturday morning on 1250 a.m. The Answer. AM 1250 and FM 92.5, The Answer, WPGP, Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on The Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. AM 1250, The Answer, weather. We'll see considerable cloudiness for tonight with periods of late night rain. Expect a low of 58. Keep that umbrella handy tomorrow as we'll see considerable clouds. It'll be breezy with a couple of showers and a high of 66. Tomorrow night, patchy clouds and cooler with a low of 46. Mostly sunny skies for Sunday. A nice end of the weekend. We'll see a high Sunday of 74. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, you know, as we speak, uh, John Kerry is probably on his jet flying somewhere to tell people to stop polluting his planet, or he's on his million-dollar yacht somewhere waiting to go fly somewhere on his big jet. On Wednesday, he was at Department of Agriculture's Aim for Climate Summit, and he was there to tell the world that farms are bad for his planet. H. Sterling Burnett is the director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy at Heartland Institute. He joins us now. Sterling, always good to have you on. Thanks for coming on. Good to be on. So uh, farming seems to be uh, John Kerry's latest obsession. Uh, he told, yeah. he, he told, told the world on Wednesday that farming contributes 33% of all the emissions in the world. Uh, which of his orifices do you think he pulled those numbers out of? <laughs> well, I won't hazard a guess on that. I'll just say it's amazing 
that uh, farmers are being criticized for producing food abundance. He, 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 he made the false claim that malnutrition is at an all-time high in the world. That's just false. The, the number of hungry people in the last 20 years that has fallen, the number of people starving, the number of people malnourished or at threat of starvation has fallen by hundreds of millions of people. And uh, so I don't know where he gets these numbers. I know what the U.S. EPA has said, and it says, at least in the U.S., now maybe every other country really does bad farming. I don't know. But in the U.S., they say that livestock and farm farming produces about 5% of our emissions. That's a far cry from the 33% he cited. Uh, here's what he said also, quote, We can't get to net zero we don't get this job done unless agriculture is front and center as part of the solution. So all of us understand here the depths of this mission, unquote. So yeah. are we required to want to get to net zero? I don't, I don't feel all that fired up about getting there. No, we, we certainly aren't. In fact, it would be disastrous if we did, unless we want to live like we lived in the 1820s, which was the last time we were net zero in this country. When we had uh, billion, you know, hundreds of millions fewer people, uh, and we had no indoor plumbing or uh, modern energy systems, but we could get there. All we have to do is sacrifice basically modern life. <laughs> let's let's live like the pilgrims did, um, pray, you know, praying to God that our crops come in the next year, as opposed to using modern fertilizers and pesticides and diesel fuel to get those uh, crops grown and out of the ground. It's amazing that he would pick on farmers at a time when so many people are still hungry and malnourished in this world, made worse, of course, by the war, uh, by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, he is advocating, he, he's actually advocating for destroying the food system of the world. It's... And, of course, now, to be fair, he's not the only one. Environmentalists like him think there are too many people on Earth. That's why they like China's uh, strong uh, population policies. They have advocated a billion people as the ideal human population, two billion people, as low as 200 million people, depending on who you speak to. Well, how do we get there? The easiest way is to have them all starve. Yeah, that so would... Let's shut down the agricultural system, use only um, you know, natural fertilizer, so dung, Let's increase the number of people dying from dysentery, from foodborne diseases. Uh, then uh, life will be nirvana as far as John Kerry is concerned. And he says food systems emissions alone could cause the planet's temperature to go up by a half a degree by 2050. First of all, would everybody agree with that number, and would everybody care? Uh, they would neither all agree nor care. You know what's interesting about his statement? He, he says that it's going to push us over the 1.5. Numerous stories just in the past two weeks have said we're about to have an, uh, an El Nino. And when we have an El Nino, they say it's going to push us above 1.5 degrees, the magic number at which society collapses, according to the Paris Climate Agreement. Yeah. So El, Nino, El Nino is going to push us over 1.5. When, when it happens... They'll stop talking about El Nino. They'll stop talking about climate change. But what they won't say is, gosh, the world hasn't ended. Yeah, we hit 1.5 and we're still here. I, I thought yeah. I saw it, and I, I can't remember where I saw it, but I've seen it a couple of times in the last week or two where somebody had the graph and the whole thing with the, with the temperature of the earth. And uh, it shows that I think it was since 2011 or something that the temperature has gone down. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. And not since uh, 2011. I think, I think it's eight years now. Okay. So 2015, we are for eight, for eight years, uh, temperature has gone down and hasn't risen uh, for longer than that. Now, I'm not disputing that El Nino might not push global average temperature above the 1.5 mark. Though, if you look at uh, several reputable uh, long-term temperature measuring systems, I think Berkeley's one of them, they say we already surpassed 1.5 and the world's not ended. But the, the point is, when we reach 1.5 or when we reach 2, these aren't magic no numbers. The fantasies around them are magic. 
But they aren't magic numbers. The world doesn't end if we reach 1.5 or 2. And, of course, we're going to prove that if we haven't proved it before, probably this summer. And, and, and Kerry, his response is, let's shut down farms. Let's look at where they've done that. So Kerry's ideal system is what Sri Lanka went to. And Sri Lanka said, we're going to get rid of all chemical fertilizers. We're going to get rid of all chemical pesticides. We're going to only use, uh, we're going to go all organic. Within one year, food production dropped by half. And, uh, food prices skyrocketed. There were riots in the street, and the government failed. They burned the government, uh, the house of the president. He mm. had to flee the country. Good now, for them. Uh, that, that's one small country. If the U.S. goes the same way, how many millions starve? Uh, so, but are we talking about, uh, you mentioned fertilizers and those kinds of things, but are we talking more about cow farts here or exhaust from tractors? Which is the bigger deal? It's, it's, it's the whole package. It's mm-hmm. cow burps. You know, in, in, in the Netherlands, they're trying to buy out lots of farmers and tell them, we're going to buy your land. You're not going to be able to have cattle. And we are going to uh, – and, and you can't go back to farming. You can't move somewhere else and go back to farming. I don't know how they enforce that perversion if they go move to America and tell them they can't farm there. Uh, I, I don't think that will carry any weight. But the point is, it turns out the Netherlands is responsible for a lot of the food produced in Europe, and they're already having shortages. So I, I just honestly don't believe these th- people think through the policies they propose, or they have thought it through, and they think – Dying people, hungry people, people living with less is really a good idea. Well, I'm pretty sure agriculture contributes more than 33 percent of our food. Um, is this 100 percent of our food? Yeah. Is this one more precursor to to me being expected to eat crickets by any chance? Uh, perhaps you know that might be one uh, solution that Kerry would endorse. I really think his solution is that we have fewer people. I really think that's his end goal. He wants fewer farmers producing less food, producing food less efficiently, and more people going hungry and dying. I really think that's what his end goal is because you can't pr- produce the um, the plenty that U.S. produces. You know, we're a net food exporter. We feed the world. You can't produce that without modern agricultural chemicals, fossil fuels, and he wants to do away with those. He wants us to go to what he calls sustainable systems, which are, you know, uh, well, uh, plows pulled by mules or oxen, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, here's what uh, is interesting, because uh, I don't know how many people are aware of Paul Ehrlich. I'm sure you are. Um, Oh, yeah. He's been around for literally for um, close to 60 years, making predictions, telling people the world's going to come to an end. Uh, and this is this was at a at a science symposium at the University of Texas. Uh, he said the time of famines is upon us, and he said it will be at its worst and most disastrous by 2050. He went on to say that the pipe uh, dilation of the, the 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 population of the United States is already too big that birth control may have to be accomplished by making it involuntary and by putting sterilizing agents into staple foods and drinking water, and that the Roman Catholic Church should be pressured into going along with routine measures of population control. Oh, wait. He didn't say that recently. He said that in 1967, and he was talking about 1975. And this guy was just on um, 60 Minutes a a couple of months ago. He was being asked his opinion of what we should do next to save the planet. Paul Ehrlich has made 60 years of predictions, and as far as I can determine, not a single one of his predictions has ever proven right. He even he even took a bet on some of his predictions, and he lost money on them. And when the guy says, I'm willing to make the very same bet with you again uh, 10 years out, and he wouldn't take up the second bet. The point is, he's considered an expert, and he's a fool. He's a highly, highly educated fool. He has never been right once. He said in the 70s, 200 million people in sub-Saharan Africa will starve. Uh, He said parts of the U.S. would be underwater. He is, he was wrong, and he continues to be wrong, and yet the press loves him and continues to put him on. He's like, uh, in the 50s, uh, that Swami that uh, Ed Wood 
put in his movie. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the great, uh, I forget what the guy's name was, but uh, he is like looking into a crystal ball and his guess, except at least that guy got him half right. <laughs> Ehrlich's never been right once. And, and I, I would suppose that uh, Kerry thinks Ehrlich is a great man and visionary, that he thinks he's been right. I don't know how he could think this, but I think he thinks all of his predictions have come true, and, and, and it's only going to get worse, but they haven't. See, here's what I don't understand. Again, this, this goes back more to the media than it does to the climate hysterics. No. Uh, uh, he, I don't know what he was on 60 Minutes of, uh, talking about whenever it was a couple of months ago, but uh, everybody made a pretty big deal about it. Um, but if you're in the media, you, you, you want to get this guy and sit him down and you don't, it, you don't even have to prepare five minutes for the interview. All you have to do is pile up uh, um, uh, a collection of his ridiculous statements like maybe birth control should be accomplished by making it involuntary in 1967 and, and asking about that. And when he said in 1967 that the world was going to be uh, – famine was going to be taking over in 1975, eight years later – that uh, would make for a great TV show. Just read his stuff to him. Nobody calls him out on it. No one ever calls him out on it. They, they act like he is a sage. People, people, <laughs> people go to him for advice and predictions, despite the fact that he's never been right. He's written, he's written dozens of books. None of them have been right about anything. Extinction. One, one, one was called extinction. It was wrong. One was called population. It was wrong. He's always wrong. The one thing, you can say he's consistent. He's consistently wrong. And yet, for some reason, he and people like him, like the uh, old people who were at the Club of Rome, they're considered visionaries, that they were right. And they weren't right. And how do we know they weren't right? Because the times of their predictions have repeatedly come and gone without any of them proving to be true. And I think it qualifies as irony here. And we're talking to H. Sterling Burnett. He's the director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy at the Heartland Institute. I think it's kind of ironic that this guy has been literally predicting the coming end of the world for close to 60 years, and he's 90 years old. He's still out there doing it. He's 90. He's like a more successful death cult. You know, you got all these cults that, that predict a date. This is the date when the Lord comes or with, with the aliens come or whichever thing is going to happen and the world's going to end. They make these predictions. Those predictions come and, and pass. Uh, the world doesn't end. And they say, oh, we got the math wrong. Uh, yeah. We meant a few years from now. Well, he's worse than them <laughs> yeah. because they don't do it 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 times and consistently be wrong. Pretty soon, they just shut up. Well, he's, don't hear from them he said it was going to happen eight years in the future. Uh, when he said that, it was 56 years ago. Okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there any other example? You don't, you don't recall the Great Famine of 1975? <laughs> no, I missed that. I was eating a sandwich, <laughs> I think. I was distracted. Yeah. Is there any other yeah, example of scientists uh, being as wrong as they could possibly be? with their predictions and still having the world take their predictions seriously than the people who were involved in this cult, not just Ehrlich, but all these people. Is there any other area of science where they, where they get away with it? Oh, well, any other area of science? Yeah. I mean, like Uh, any group of scientists. Look, I I can't think of one. I can't think of one. Climate science seems to be um, uh, the the sole area of science where you can be consistently uh, observably, measurably wrong, and you still are considered an expert. And that's because, to be fair, that's because climate science is a religion. It's not science. Yeah. Well, it, it, anything, anything can come from climate change, even if it contradicts your previous prediction. And it, you know, being a climate scientist means never having to say you're sorry. Yeah, and it's, it's but a it's, great field to be in. It's because the predictions are so dire that you, they make you pay attention to them. If you don't listen to me, we're all going to starve to death. But then you listen to him, it doesn't come, and you still go listening to him. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Sterling. Uh, you know, look, even in the fairy tales, they pretty soon stopped li- listening to Chicken Little, right? Right. Well, I'm out of time, um, and if you don't starve to death anytime soon, I'll be happy to have you on the show again. That'll depend on whether John Kerry has his way, I suspect. (laughs) Hey, Starling, thanks for being on. Talk to you again. 
Take care. Okay, that's Sterling Burnett of the Heartland Institute. According to the U.S. Debt Clock, in the time you hear this commercial, our nation's debt will go up by $1.5 million. That's more than $2 billion a day, $15 billion a week. Right now, our debt is over $30 trillion and climbing fast. The question is, how do we pay it off? The answer is increasing taxes. Now, think about your retirement accounts. Do you want to pay taxes on some of that money now when rates are historically low or later when rates are potentially higher? Whether you should pay taxes now or in retirement depends on a lot of things. Beth Andrews and the team at NetWorth Advisors know what to look for. Beth can help you create a plan so your retirement is as tax efficient as possible. Call 800-426-1428 to set up a visit with Beth Andrews and NetWorth Advisors. 800-426-1428. When taxes go up, will you be ready? Call now. 800-426-1428. Firm offers insurance services and may not give tax advice. NetWorth Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. Ad paid for by the Sentinel Group. Attention veterans, active duty military, civilians, and contractors. If you were issued earplugs between 1999 and 2015 and were diagnosed with hearing loss or ringing in the ears, you may be entitled to compensation. The manufacturer of these military earplugs recently paid $9.1 million to resolve claims that their earplugs were defective, potentially exposing service members to damaging sound levels that could have resulted in hearing loss or tinnitus. If you or a loved one were issued earplugs and were diagnosed with tinnitus or hearing loss, don't wait. You fought for this country, and our attorneys want to fight for you. Call 800-207-0028 now for a free legal consultation and to see if you may be eligible to file a claim. Time restrictions may apply, and you pay nothing unless there's a recovery in your favor. So call 800-207-0028 now. Again, 800-207-0028. That's 800-207-0028. They are our cuddlers and co-workers, purr machines and love bugs, and constant companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life so much better. When we face unexpected challenges in life, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people who love their pets and the pets who love their people, ensuring these families stay exactly where they belong, together. And you have something to offer. With an open heart and mind, there is nothing you can't do. There's no gesture too small or too big when it comes to helping. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. You can help keep pets and people together. Visit PetsAndPeopleTogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. This has been a public service announcement brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, I'm reminded a lot about how old I'm getting to be. Uh, The people who I watched, the guys I watched as a kid who got me interested in sports and led to me working in sports media for about 30 years I keep dying uh, Jim Brown today Paul uh, and uh, Dick wrote a couple of days a couple of weeks ago but I I wanted to everybody's going to be showing you highlights of Jim Brown and everybody who knows anything about football knows that he's one of the five best football players who ever lived uh, if not the best uh, best player in NFL history he's mentioned often as being just that but um, and so you'll be seeing a lot of the highlights and you'll be hearing the stats and all that. But I, I think of this. Uh, 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 he was a guy who played football when men were men. And uh, and there was some, I don't know, there was something that went with being an NFL football player that doesn't seem to go with the package today. So I, I've kept, I've saved this. Uh, it's an interview that he did back in, 19, in 2006 on ESPN. And the guy's name who was talking to him is uh, Graham Bensinger. And he said, what do you think of many players? No, this is, what do you think Paul Brown, former Browns coach, would have done had one of the Browns players scored a touchdown and jumped up and shimmied? You know what he's talking about there. Here's what Brown says. I don't know what Paul would have done. More important, it's how I feel about it. I think it's a terrible exhibition. It's selfish. I think it's boorish. I think it's corny, and I think it hurts the performances, and I think it hurts the game. 
I see sometimes a guy score a touchdown and one of his linemen might run to congratulate him, but he doesn't even acknowledge his linemen congratulating congratulating him. He's looking at the stands and beating his chest and ignoring his teammate. That's ridiculous. Now, he said this in 2006. It's become much more ridiculous, as you know, now. And uh, Bensinger says, You once told the Syracuse Herald Journal that the modern black athletes are, quote, the most embarrassing collection of individuals I've ever known. What drove you to make that statement? He said, Well, my observation, when you see the Willie Lynch syndrome being acted out, the buffoonery, the things we fought to get away, the stereotypical gestures, the rolling of the eyes, the dancing, and all the Walt Disney stereotypical racial disgraces, you wonder how these individuals can be so stupid not to understand how the general public is looking at them. Yeah, I said that many times, and I've said that to them. I don't think that it's cute. I don't think the majority of the fans and stands think it's cute. And I think it's, uh, I think it's like chasing the shadow of the rabbit instead of the rabbit. Entertainment was always used in slave quarters. In fact, they used to take fighters, blindfold them, put everybody in the ring, and let you fight until the last guy was standing. They'd be sitting around the ring in tuxedos with their women and jewelry. That was entertainment, boss. If you study history, you don't want to emulate the things that were degrading and humiliating. The humiliation was unreal. Now, guys are voluntarily playing the yes-a-boss slave. Yep, that's embarrassing to me to think in this day and age these young men would be out there shaking their butts and not knowing much of anything else, not understanding the dignity of a man and how to play a game and play it hard and let that speak for yourself. There's no debating this conversation. Anybody that takes the other side has got to be an enemy. Any man that would teach his son that's the thing to do should be arrested. That's Jim Brown. He's dead. He died today at 89, a great football player, and boy, it'd be nice if a lot of the players today would be, speaking of being arrested or being forced to do something, it'd be nice if they were forced to read what I just uh, read to you. So um, rest in peace, Jim Brown, and I'll talk to you on Monday. The John Steckerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Van. Hey, John Steigerwald here for Johnny and Jesse Samick, my friends over at Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. When disaster strikes your home or business, demand the yellow van. Fire, water, or mold, Service Master's technicians are trained and equipped to get you back to normal fast. Even when dealing with insurance, you have a choice who repairs and cleans up the mess. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.